Hello, and welcome to Breaking the Mold, a podcast from the National Precast Concrete Association. Tune in every month as we dig into a different aspect of the precast concrete industry. I'm your host, Joe Frollo, NPCA's Director of Communications and Public Affairs. We hope you enjoy the podcast and get a little something out of it. Make sure to subscribe and rate us so we can continue to grow and serve our membership. Today, we're going to be talking about recruiting and hiring. We'll start by talking with Brandy Wrinkle. Brandy is the branch manager at the Wilbert Precast facility in Yakima, Washington. She also chairs the NPC Education Committee. Later on, we'll hear from NPCA's Hugh Martin and Kirby O'Malley from Garden State Precast. Those two will discuss hiring strategies specific to engineers. Let's get started. Hey, Brandy, thanks for joining us today and giving us some of your time. Thank you for having me. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is, you know, all of us who are hiring managers have been through the process and there's this image of that perfect candidate out there, that that one person who will take the job at the salary we want, perform 100% hitting the ground that first day. But in reality, you're looking for potential within candidates. You're looking for people who can grow into the job and people who, who you think you see down the line, you know, rising to what you need in that position. How do you balance when you're hiring, when you're looking for candidates, that perfection versus reality? Well, in my opinion, perfect candidates are so rare, especially um, in today's day and age. I just like to think they don't exist. So it's essential that we target those with potential for growth and we target key skills, communication. We're looking for uh, individual skill sets for quality control or uh, carpentry or uh, driving skills or things of that nature. Those are those are what we kind of target because we know we can grow somebody as opposed to trying to find a perfect person. And it's different too if you're talking about someone coming in at the manager level versus someone coming in maybe on the line or something like that in that yeah, you're willing to take a little bit more of a chance for someone at a, at a beginning position. Yeah, absolutely. It's reading somebody's resume and their skill set and seeing essential things that you know that you can mold. It's also like during the interview process, it's very much conversational and like kind of get to know the person. Like, do I feel like these people are going to be a good fit? So it's it's kind of a, it's it's also a vibe. Um, I feel like a lot when interviewing, we'll do a lot of phone screens. And if I get positive feedback from a phone screen from our HR department, then we'll move forward with an in-person interview. And it is very much a vibe. If if I can vibe off of a person um, and they have some essential skills, usually I'll I'll take a take a chance on them. And, and another thing that I've found um, that that's becoming more and more common is when I started out as a hiring manager back in the 1990s. We would get 50, 100, 150 applications for real like entry-level jobs. And now if I get three to five to a dozen, that's that's a good search. I'm talking about people who I would even entertain interviewing. And sometimes you have to go with that one, one or two people that you find that you're like, yeah, they'll do the job. Don't, don't think that there's this big, you know, pool of people out there who just hasn't seen your your opening yet. And, and you've got to be willing to move on that person that you need when you need it. Because as you know, at your facility, there are jobs that need to get done and we need to get someone in that position right away. Absolutely. Candidates are 
incredibly hard to come by. You're right. You're getting three, five applicants and it's like, well, do can I hold on or how do I interview them all or how quickly do I need to move on this person? It's quite the market these days for trying to hire, you know, and the, and most people are having multiple interviews with different companies and different job types and they're in the driver's seat. You kind of have to really entice people with packages and insurance and flexibility and things like that. That That's what people are looking for on, on the other end of it. You mentioned before one overall sort of secondary skill that you're looking for in every position, whether it's a driver, whether it's you know someone to work with the molds or the pouring or the, any, anything is communication. Um, but that a good open mind and a, and a good ability to both ask questions and, you know, answer them honestly is something there. Is is there any other skills or, or traits that sort of click in your mind when you see this in someone? You're like, yeah, this is someone we can work with. Typically, those that are going to have the level of communication skills that I'm particularly looking for for our organization, they typically have a really good attitude, a really good can-do, super positive kind of a thing, and they're really willing to communicate if they have, you know, if they have their own questions, but if they're not understanding something, usually I'm targeting those that are going to be stop and say, hey, I don't understand this. I'm looking for somebody that's eager that and that has good ap- aptitude. I mean, you can teach a lot of different things. If they have good attitude and aptitude, usually I'm I'm willing to move forward with somebody. And then once you get that person hired and, and get that person ready to come on board, uh, I know when I was starting, again, coming right out of college, you were expected to have the skills you needed to com- complete the job. You know, you were expected to be able to sort of you know, hit the ground running on day one. Your orientation included, there's the desks, there's the coffee machine, there's the restrooms, go. How has that sort of first day training change that you've seen over the last couple of years to a decade? I wish it was still that way. (laughs) Especially if you're hiring floor personnel, carpenters, finishers, rebar, anything like that. There's a more significant training process that has to take place because people coming in these days, fresh out of high school or you know, junior college or or what have you are lacking basic hand tool skills and things like that because that they've kind of removed that stuff from shop classes and things like that from schools. We've developed programs to try and accommodate because people are coming in with less and less skills for the things we need them to do. So we have in our, our day one orientation, it's a long safety orientation, but then you get partnered with somebody on the floor that's been here for a while. And then you start with a small tool training and then there's additional zone trainings and, and things of that nature. And it's a process. It it takes a long time. It's not just hit the ground running. Um, and then it's an entirely different set of training for somebody that comes in that's going to work in the office. Most of us have software that we use like Titan or something like that to help manage our production processes. And that is its own animal that you have to learn. So training these days is really critical to maintaining those employees that you've spent time trying to hire. 
it's really essential that you continue that training process. And NPCA has been fantastic in developing the onboarding. Not all of the producer members have a large HR department that can spend time training and developing and onboarding um, employees. So for smaller companies, they developed the onboarding process, which has safety components, form components, QC components, day in the life of a precaster, things of that nature. So it really helps to complete the process and really engage those employees in that first 30 to 90 days so you can help retain them and aren't continuing the search. Yeah, and it's, it's really important. And, and one thing that I've really emphasized through learning about what they're doing with the orientation program here at NPCA is that day one orientation that used to be, you know, you shadow someone, you see what your job's going to be, you maybe practice it a few times. That's really become uh, the goals for the first week, goals for the first month goals for the second month, all the way out to six months and a year. And you not only need patience with the hiring manager to bring this person along, but with coworkers too, you know, the, the men and the women who have been there for 10, 15, 20 years or longer to help these new people and to, to bring them along to, to really have a, a solid worker. And it may take six to nine months, but eventually if you trust the, the, hiring process and the training process that you have, you'll be set to go. And that not just, that not only gives them confidence in doing the job, but confidence in themselves. And that really goes a long way. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. How do you differentiate a search? Maybe if you're looking for someone inside of your facility to, to take a promotion or just take a new job because they want to do something different versus looking for someone fresh and new from the outside. That's really a great question. I think everybody kind of handles that differently. We're blessed with a fairly small operation here. Um, the company as a whole is decent sized, but our location um, has been really awesome. Uh, we are very fortunate. We don't have a lot of turnover. And when some job, you know, we need to add a teammate, we'll post it. And then if somebody from the floor wants to try and move into a different department or something will give them the op same opportunity as everybody else. They get to apply for it and then we'll interview them. And sometimes they're a great fit and it's an easy move. Sometimes they're not the best fit for that job, but we do run them through the same process, just like they were new to us candidates. And when, when you're training someone for a new job, I know that's something that's covered within the NPCA onboarding program as the, uh, the chair of the education committee, I'm, I'm sure these are near and dear to your heart, but it, it's not just onboarding. It's, uh, you know, you have the, the yearly webinar series, LNPCA, the master precaster program. There's really something for everyone who's looking to either get themselves or get one of their employees better. How much pride do you take in that, that series that the education team has started putting together and, and where do you see it going in the next two, three, five years? Well, I do. I absolutely am a huge proponent of it. Education is definitely near and dear to my heart. And I love growing and teaching people. I'm excited to see 
the onboarding program continue to grow. We've continued to add videos and the NPC has been fantastic about that. And the education committee is wonderful about giving ideas and and helping shape that. I only see that continuing to catch on like wildfire with, you know, companies around the country using it yearly for their onboarding. And, and, and you're right, there is a little something for everybody. I'm always sending people through taking different master precaster courses, precast quality school, whether it's a, a new QC person and we're through PQS1 and we're into QAQC or we're going to go through the whole program or we're just going to hit a few of the classes. It really has a good, it's great foundational information that they can build on and it would be fantastic if we can continue to add some additional classes here and there. There's just so much in the industry that we can teach and learn from each other. It's just sky's the limit, really. And there's an opportunity coming up soon in Columbus, Ohio, that if uh, members have the opportunity, they can send people to the precast show where they can meet face-to-face with the instructors and, and really set a good foundation, whether it's you know, step one on becoming a master precaster or reinforcing something in the marketing area or, you know, the production area, the operations are technical. And I, I really think those those education sessions at, at the precast show are, are something that anyone can take advantage of. Absolutely. It's a robust set of education. Yearly, I want to say 100 hours, which is roughly what it's typical. Um, right now, we have PQS one in-person precast production course today and the leadership course so pqs3 all of those are at the front end of the week and then friday and saturday mornings are full of different courses like you said marketing um some real nice technical stuff a couple of really great discussion forums but there's a lot of great options to send your people to so they can continue to grow their skill set. Yeah, fantastic. And if you can't make it to Columbus, the the PQS1 course is always available online. I'm proud to show that certificate in my cubicle right behind where I sit every day. So it's it's a good foundation for anybody who's working at you know, the precast plant to uh to take and to absorb and to move move with. Well, you know what? I'm proud to uh, display my gold hard hat regularly in my office. And it's pretty nice when somebody comes in and they're asking some questions and they're like, hey, what's that all about? And then I get a really great opportunity to uh, share with them awesome educational journey that I've gotten not only with my company, but with NPCA as well. Well, you got me on that one. I don't think a gold hard hat's in my future. So I... I I gave up all that extra math when I graduated from school. Well, it does come in handy occasionally. <laughs> all right, Brandy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate this, and we look forward to seeing you in Columbus. All right, thank you. Now let's hear about some of the exciting programs we have here at NPCA before we come back with Engineers Quarter. Hiring, training, and retaining employees is a major challenge for every industry, including precast. MPCA is giving you the tools to meet the challenge head-on with an exciting new program designed to give your new hires a head start. With MPCA's onboarding program, you can introduce new employees to your organization's expectations, behaviors, and culture 
while providing training and motivation for them to become a productive member of the team. To learn more, visit precast.org backslash onboarding and take the first step toward moving from employee seeker to employee keeper. Your business is only as strong as the employees that make up your workforce. Building an engaged and knowledgeable team requires constant training and an emphasis on education. NPCA provides the most complete education program in the precast concrete industry. With live webinars, an extensive archive library, and more, you'll find everything you need to keep your team on the cutting edge. Visit precast.org backslash education to learn more about the courses and resources available from NPCA. Hey, Kirby, thanks for joining us today. Glad to do it, you. Uh, Kirby, before we get into too many specifics, uh, would you please share your thoughts about the need for engineers in our industry? W what are some key roles that engineers fill in our industry? Well, first of all, we are a design product. If you're making precast concrete, you know, there's a specification, many specifications, both national, international, you know, local, you know, the local DOTs. And uh, so if you're making a product, it's a specified engineer product. So we make a, a design built, basically, is what it is. Um, so you need product engineers. We also, you know, have engineers for, uh, you know, our design of our equipment and, you know, forklifts, all those kind of things. So, you know, we're very much a manufacturer and manufacturer and engineers go hand in hand. So Kirby, we're talking, we've talked about contract engineers and in-house engineers and various roles within the engineering department. If you would please tell me, tell me a little bit more about some of that. Well, let me, I'll give you some experience of what we do at Garden State Precast. We're a company that has about uh, 75 employees. And of that, we have approximately nine in our um, engineering department. Actually, I have more than that because I consider QC part of engineering. We've got four people in that. So when I look at um, my company, uh, the first thing we do was we have to do an engineering takeoff from a set of plans. And the plans, of course, are developed by, a, you know, a civil engineer. And we look at we look at what we can manufacture on those set of plans. You know, we have a couple people that do our takeoffs. We have one fellow who is uh, our vice president of specialty products. And he looks at every project to see is there something unique that was designed as cast in place that we can convert to precast. Uh, and we do that pretty well. We've been doing it for quite a while. That's our main, main stick. So um, we do that. And when we do that, we need um, to engineer that product. Can we manufacture it? Can we take the design that was cast in place, convert it to precast? Can we put on a truck? So th there's a, an awful lot to that. We do that quite often. About half of, half of our manufacturing is specialty products. And so you really need to really engineer those extremely detailed. The manholes and catch basins and some of those things, really, that's an engineering function, but it's not of the expertise that's needed. You can have someone who has a little bit of uh, knowledge, maybe a couple of years of college can do that. They don't need to be a, a full-blown graduate engineer to do that. I'm a big proponent of measuring things. My background is industrial engineering, so, you know, if there's a good process, you'll be successful. If there's a good process and good people, you'll be very successful. But no process with good people, you'll fail. So we've learned that, and that's kind of how we try to develop things at our place. Industry knowledge is a big deal. We have uh, the fellow who's in charge 
Uh, Paul Heights, our vice president of specialty products. Paul's got about 30 years experience in doing this kind of stuff. So he can look at something very quickly and understand that, you know, we can do it or we can't do it. Uh, the fellow who is in charge of our wood, uh, of our engineering department has about 25 years. So we're pretty, pretty good at having some real experienced people that understand that. And, uh, of course, they have to um, relate that to our manufacturing manager, which has 20 years experience. And one of the things that we've done most recently is gone to 3D printing. And when we have something that we think we can make, you know, we make a model of it. You know, that's where the kind of engineering helps our understanding of what we're trying to make. And uh, if you're making a 3D model, it has to work. You know, not, not like laying on a piece of paper, you can make mistakes. If it's a 3D model, it has to work. So, so we really spend an awful lot of time and effort on engineering before we get the job. After we get a job, then we, we also spend a lot. Uh, we're real fortunate that uh, we're only about an hour's drive from uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology where they have a real good concrete industry management program. And uh, for the last, well, almost the last 20 years, we've had interns from there. So, Kirby, have you found that that is how you find some of your engineering employees or most of your engineering employees is through internships? Uh, we've have, we have a couple of them through interns. In fact, uh, most of the uh, colleges now, you have some free time. So the last couple of years, we've actually had the intern uh, actually work on a project through the year. So they'll work maybe a day, eight to 12 hours a week throughout the whole year. The first thing we do when we get somebody new, we sit down and ask them to take a look at our programs and what can we do better? You know, we always tell them, you're the bright young college kid. Tell us how we can improve. So, Yeah, Kirby, you've mentioned some strategies for training in-house engineers. And at the NPCA, we have the Precast Quality School and the uh, onboarding program. Tell us more about how you've used that. Well, we really like the the, uh, the master precaster program. And one of the reasons why we like it is I helped start it about 15 years ago. So uh, that's near, near and dear to my heart. Uh, we ha- I think we have five people now that uh, are will become master precasters uh, at the next precast show. So we, we believe in that. And uh, for a young engineer to come in, even a solar employee, we make them take that PQS1 and uh, even in our accounting department, they ought to take the PQS one. You know, to go on to be a master precaster, that's a big deal. It's a two-year program, and uh, it's it's really good. Uh, you know, if, if you're in engineering, you should have the mindset that you're never fully trained, that you're always trying to learn something. NPCA has done a really good job of developing that program and keeping it real. Different precasters will hire out their engineers, hire out their engineering instead of hiring an in-house engineer. And I realize that's an economic decision. Have you found an advantage or disadvantage to one or the other? In the past, uh, until recently, we always did it at house. I just didn't want our guys to spend that much time on on doing the uh, design engineering. And we had some really good people that did it for us. Uh, As we got more and more into it, and uh, we were fortunate a few months ago, we had someone who had about 30 years experience that we worked with for like almost 20 years. They just fit in very well. Um, I was real hesitant about putting a, a PE a license on our staff and having to train him or her. We've got a couple of young engineers, and in our engineering department, we have a slot, if you will, that about every two years we get a new person. You know, we hire one right out of college, and uh, they last for us for about two years and want to go on to something bigger and better, and that's fine. We'll brain drain them as much as we can for two years. And, They'll leave and go in the industry and, uh, you know, hopefully 
go with the contract or know about precast and call us back. So, but I, I think it depends on the size of the company you have also. If you're making just regular product, nothing special, and you really don't need a licensed engineer to be on your staff. If you were like we are, where you use about half of what you do is very unique, uh, then it, it, it pays and it will pay us. I'd be really concerned about hiring a young person with a license who has no experience in precast to uh, put all my eggs in their basket because you learn an awful lot in this industry by your mistakes. Yeah, that more or less leads into the next question or my follow-up with you. Uh, was You mentioned product knowledge. Uh, that's a pretty big deal in this industry. You can come into this industry with a lot of experience, but without that product knowledge, you really have a learning curve to climb, regardless of whether you were just coming out of school or if you've been a PE for 20 years. Well, to me, experience is a very good, is the best teacher, the best teacher. And so we try, you know, I like to mix the younger guys with the older guys. The older guys have the experience. The younger guys have the latest, greatest technology. To make that work together is very good if you can do that. And you got to make sure that when you uh, hire, whoever you hire, you know, they're open to uh, suggestions and well, can learn. Because if not, you don't want them. When we did have uh, an engineer, when we, when we outhoused our engineering, we would have them come by at least twice a year and spend the day with our people, just, you know, walking around, seeing what we're doing and making sure that they understand what our processes are. And that's the real big key. You have to understand what your process is so that engineering can fit into that. And I know this depends on the individual, but about how long do you expect the training process to last? About how long before you would consider them a fully competent precast engineer? I'll be a wise guy and say a lifetime, but you're always learning something. And, you know, when I started in this business, 5,000 PSI was a big deal. Now it's standard. You know, we use 8, 10, 12,000 PSI. So you're always learning something. And as I said earlier, I think if you're the kind of person that, oh, I know everything, I don't want you. You got to be willing to learn and understand. So, and there has to be, if you have a license, you know, you have to have continuing education. So I think the engineering community recognizes that. And that's the same way with everything. You, you know, you, you have to have, uh, be able to continue to grow and understand the uniqueness of precast concrete. Yeah, Kirby, we've kind of been talking about engineers in general, but as we know, there are different, many different types of engineers, an industrial engineer such as yourself, a civil engineer like me, uh, structural engineers, mechanical engineers. Do you have a preference or a take on whether or not a civil or an industrial or mechanical engineer is the best fit for this industry or... Is it all just based on experience and developing that product knowledge? You know, I would say a lot of that depends on the size of the company. If you're an engineer, you, you, you know, you solve problems. So you've got that mindset. If you're a company that'll make, that has like 30 or 40 people, you might be kind of stuck with a civil engineer because you want them involved in, in just the product. If you're a bigger company, you might want somebody that can help you with some processes also. Like I said earlier, our quality control department reports to engineer. So you want someone that can understand that when we, we do a fair amount of expansion and stuff on a regular basis. So you want someone to go out there and, you know, do some surveying and, you know, and, and help you design, you know, a floor, stuff like that. So bigger companies, you know, 
we could all use, you know, we've got like nine or 10 forklifts. We could always use a mechanical or electrical engineer or someone knows about hydraulics when you're working on those. So as a manufacturer, you need engineering mindset. I think the main job of anyone in engineering is to make sure what they put on paper, number one, that, that it's correct, and number two, that it's understood by those in manufacturing. Engineering is a very unique requirement in our industry, and you're very close to the product, so I think that part helps a lot. But the main, to me, the main job of an engineer is to make sure the product that you make met the specification and that they know the specifications. Yeah, and to me, you said it earlier when you said that we make an engineer product, whether that is engineered by specification or that is designed in-house from scratch based on the formwork that you have, based on the requirements of the installation, all of those things. Or it could be calculating waste in the plant and deciding changes that you can make to either your cutting and bending in the rebar department or to your drawing process that cut out waste. All of those things that an engineer could help with. Well, Kirby, thanks so much. Any closing thoughts on finding and hiring engineers and or uh, the training process for engineers? I, I would probably say the most important thing is understanding that we make a design product. That's what we do. You need an engineering mentality. Even if you're a very small precaster, you, ne you need to know that you need to make a product based on the specifications. You know, as you go, as you grow or as you don't grow, you know, you still have to keep that same mindset. I like to, um, you know, just because someone has a degree or even a license doesn't mean that they can fit in well with your people. So uh, we have some different kind of different personality tests that we have people take so that we can get the right person uh, in the right job. And so that's very important, you know, that you, you do several interviews if you're looking to hire someone. Uh, you know, I think, you know, if you hire someone that's, that's young and new, you know, that's fine. If you hire someone who's been around for 10 or 20 years, that's fine too. Just understand what you have and adjust accordingly. So, and it's, everything's a moving, moving target, you know, and everything is short term now. You just got to take the people that you can get and uh, understand they need some training and, uh, and stay with it. And uh, it's a great industry. If you're in this, in this industry, you're going to work hard. There's no question about that. So just understand that that's part of what we do. Find the right person. Kirby, thank you. This has been a great talk. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your wisdom on the subject. I hope to see you at the Precast Show. Good. Have a blessed day. Until then, take care. That's our show. We hope you enjoyed it and can take some ideas from it back to your place of work. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating to help us reach more people both inside and outside of our industry. See you next time on Breaking the Mold.